The contents of the lab report are meant for educational purposes only. They're not meant to be misconstrued as medical diagnosis or treatment advice. Oh, well, I couldn't agree more. Today on the lab report, we're going to talk about air. Air? Yeah, like, like the stuff you breathe. Air? Yeah. Oh, it's important okay. to breathe. Do you know you, you need air to yeah, live? Yeah, like, I need it. Yeah. Fair. The world of medicine can be challenging. Clinicians and patients are always looking for more options, more effective treatments, and in the end, more answers. Functional and integrative medicine focuses on addressing root causes of disease. Here at Genova Diagnostics, we've watched this field evolve and grow for over 35 years. We've not only adapted, we've led. Join us as we talk about functional medicine, laboratory testing, and optimizing health. Welcome to the Lab Report. That's a pretty good British accent, Michael, but you're from Indiana. What was the Indiana accent growing up? The Indiana accent is the absence of accents. Oh. Just say it. Hello. Hi, Michael Chapman. Patty Devers. How are you? I am living my best life. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank Good. you for asking. That's awesome. very, very nice. Um, yeah, yeah. so this is a show. It's called The Lab Report. Mm-hmm. It's where we talk about some things. We do. We talk about uh, specialty lab testing, integrative therapeutics, functional precision, integrative medicine, and the like. Hey, Patty, I got something to say. What? I got something to tell you. Is it what? We hit 250,000 downloads. Whoa. Thank you, everyone. Quarter of a million downloads For already. downloading this program 250,000 times. That's incredible. I <laughs> uh, never thought we would get anywhere near Me this, either. to be honest with you. I, I, my mom can only me. hit the download button so many times a week. I'm a little bit scared about it, but... If you're new to this show, you might want to join the party. You know, a quarter million others are downloading this show. So perhaps go to iTunes, Spotify, you know, subscribe, share with your friends and join the quarter million downloads. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, as always, you can send your feedback to podcast at gdx.net. Send your questions of the day. Mm-hmm. Send your game ideas. That's right. Whatever's on your mind, <laughs> you can send it. And if you want to follow us on social media, Instagram, Facebook, at Genova Diagnostics. And your Indiana accent oh. answer was a non-answer, but I guess my yeah, question for you is: being from Indiana, what do you think Indiana is known for, if not an accent? No, I got a I got a beef here too, because growing yeah. up, right, all Indiana ever gets known for is the the dang racetrack. Oh, that yeah. Indy five hundred, and I was at the YWCA in Asheville okay. just last weekend, and they had a map of the fifty states, uh-huh. one little picture for each of the state. Okay, checkered flags. Oh, that's, again, it's that's on the back fair. of the quarter. It's on the back of and like guys, can we we there's the state has other things, okay, I well, think. Well tell me I some think. of the other things. What are some other things Indiana is known for? I don't know. Now that you're saying it, I'm gonna pull it up because it's like okay. the only thing I think of is, you know, like basketball mm-hmm. and and the racetrack. Okay, I guess. But so, no, so right here it says this is great. This is fantastic. <laughs> Go ahead. Indiana is known for vast farmlands. Uh, is the first huh? one, right? Okay. And the second one is corn. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, you see what's Come happening here? We're already at the very beginning of the list. We're having to find <laughs> duplicates because we're running out. And so we've got vast farmlands. And then right after that, we've got, <laughs> we're going to double down on vast farmlands with corn. <laughs> and then the third one, the Indy 500. <laughs> so there you go. Well, if you're making a quarter. I guess we got to go with the quarter. If, if you're you don't making a quarter, just, you'd put the flag on you too. You can't conceptualize vast farmlands, I guess. Got to go with the, with the racetrack. <laughs> Sorry about that. But... I'm lucky because I'm from Pennsylvania. Yeah, sure. And we have tons of interesting, very interesting accents. We've got the Liberty Bell. We've got Hershey Kisses. We've got Heinz Ketchup. I mean, we have a lot there. You got Quakers. We got, yeah, we we have Quaker oats. It's more than just the race flag. 
Anyway, enough of that. What are we talking about today? Well, you said we're going to talk about air, and that air That's is important right. for us to live. We need to yeah. breathe. This it's is one, it's probably the most important thing, actually. When, well, you th- when you think about the things that how quickly you will expire, uh-huh. see what I did there? Uh-huh. If you don't have it, you know, you got food, you've got water, but like air. Sort of need it. You, you need... M- Air per second more than you need water per second. But sure. I, but I think what we're talking about you're not going to live very long without air. That's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> but even when you have air and you're living, the air quality can also affect how you live, can affect your health, can affect whether or not you have chronic disease. So that's what we're talking about. Today. Yeah, the body puts in a lot of um, checks and balances and and systems to try and make sure that you are getting the best air that you can possibly get. So uh, it's interesting. Well, we talk about air pollution. Well, when we're going to talk about air, I think. The things we're going to hit are the fact that there's indoor air, there's outdoor air, there's air pollution, there's smog, there's toxins. There are ways that we can counteract these things. So this is important. Okay, cool. That all sounds interesting. Um, where do we start? What do, what do we want to get into with, first? Let's um, start outside air. Outside air. Okay. Yeah, so, I mean, generally outside air quality is not too hard to come by and at least notify. So, like, even now you can pull this thing up on your phone because mm-hmm. uh, our phones are computers now. And uh, you can check what the air quality index is. It's in, like, your weather apps and stuff. And it's on a, you know, it's got a scale um, of basically 0 to 301 plus. Uh, and it's color-coded, which is always nice, Aww. right? And naturally, green is good and yellow is moderate. But then you get into, like, orange and red and this, whoa, Like unhealthy. dark reds and weird reds. Yeah, and then it goes to purple, whoa. right? And so purple... <laughs> Purple is bad. And then uh, <laughs> maroon is the most dangerous, which is like, we're all going to die. <laughs> and this thing is frightening because I remember it was a couple of years ago. There was massive wildfires around Asheville. Uh-huh. And you, I mean, it was uh, you you couldn't go outside. Right. And and I remember the I think it was spent days in purple and maroon. And it's like, no. yeah, absolutely. And I was like out there mowing my lawn <laughs> and I, like, I can't even see the grass in front of me because of how smoky it is. I shouldn't be out here, but I'm <laughs> doing it anyway because the grass. Well, here's my question. What are they measuring when they're looking at the air quality index? Yeah, it's a great question. Thank so you. there's five major pollutants that go into creating this air quality index. And the first one is ground level ozone. I don't know what that is, but that sounds bad. And so there's particulate pollution, which is particulate matter, right? So that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Carbon monoxide, sulfur dioxide, Whoa. and nitrogen dioxide. So that's weird. Carbon monoxide, right? So that that would be a, certainly if there's a lot of wood burning and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So, um, But I think a lot of it is this particulate pollution, PM2.5 and PM10. That's mm-hmm. sort of the size of the particulate matter. Those are particularly bad. Well, let me just clarify a couple of things there. Michael. Yeah, please so, do. I don't know what some of these yeah, things are. Well, we're talking about particulate matter. We're talking about oil or dirt, soot, things in the air that you can see with your naked eye, right? But when we're talking about that ground level ozone, what that is is like pollutants that come from cars or power plants or refineries, et cetera, that react in the presence of sunlight. And they actually make up most of the ingredients of what we call smog. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay. So ground level ozone uh, it's the sort of product of processing different fuels, burning fuels, um, and creating smog from that way from industry, I guess. And some of those industries, when they burn fossil fuels like power plants or other industrial facilities, they give off things like sulfur dioxide, which right. is what you mentioned earlier. And carbon monoxide. Right. Yeah. So here's an interesting thing. Go ahead. When there was that fire super close to the building and we were on the third floor oh, yeah. in that meeting, uh-huh. and... You know, we're in a building with, like, glass panes that are all sealed off and everything. It was literally minutes before we could smell the burning woods 
that was a mile from us inside our office building. So the clearly that air is not sealed. We are not protected from outdoor <laughs> air. No, no. And that's an excellent point because we're talking about all these pollutants in the outdoor air. But one of the pollutants for indoor air is exactly what you just said, outdoor air coming in, which we know happened when we were watching that fire. But when we think about indoor pollutant sources, that's things like tobacco products, cleaning products, perfumes, mm-hmm. um, you know, central heating and cooling systems and humidification devices that let off specific things or even fuel burning like a fireplace and things like that. Yeah, right. And so we're talking about almost kind of a different subset of things that can be in the air, right? Mm-hmm. So the first one we were talking about was more like particulate matter. Like uh, with these, I almost think of them as chemicals that the body has never been naturally exposed to. Like mm-hmm. like particulate matter, our body has a way of dealing with that. But like some of these chemicals that are in plastics and perfumes and things like that, mm-hmm. um, they our, our body has to detoxify them through the, the detoxification systems like in a similar way as I think of, I think of them as like pesticides in the air. Is oh, like how yes. I mentally process yeah. that as yeah. compared to like, you know, a, a burning fire or car exhaust, which I think of as tending to be like more about the size of the, the particulate. You know what I mean? I do. I do. And when you're in the indoors, it's more insidious, right? Because it's things like a new carpet, right. for example. Right. Which is where, you know, the concept of letting things off gas, especially if it's like a, a new large you know, furniture piece or something like that, a big piece, a, a big piece of plastic or something that's ma- made out of plastic, um, something that's been varnished, you know, all that sort of stuff. It's very important to, as much as possible, try and minimize the applications of different toxins to these things. How um, do you off-gas it? Well, I will normally, if possible, um, leave it outside mm-hmm. as much as possible for as long as I can in the sun, right? So getting it heated up, um, in a way that is letting those particulates and the, the, the different chemicals and the material disperse into the air outside is ideal. Now, you could do, you could leave it in like we have a sunroom. Mm-hmm. And so you could leave it in there. So it's getting lots of sun, getting real hot with the windows open, close the door, let it off gas that way. You know, kind of have to use your head on how to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, or, you know, close it off in a room, open the window. Like all of these are options. So, or just like, you know, Makes me sometimes consider whether buying a new car, honestly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But off-gassing is, at a high level, a very similar process to leaching, plastic leaching, right? So off-gassing is when this plastic is essentially leaching stuff into the air as compared to, like, if you're drinking out of a plastic water bottle, the concern is that plastic is leaching into the water, right? So it's the same idea of the dispersion of the chemicals that the plastic or in the plastic are into your environment. And, you know, we're listing all of these things that are in our homes that are actually toxic to our air and yeah. can have, you know, significant health consequences. Mm-hmm. And if you think about yeah. the past two years, we've all been sort of locked down in our homes. Yeah, I know. Number one, trying to optimize our health because we we're afraid of this pandemic. And then number two, when people did get sick, how much of it may have been related to, you know, the toxic air that we had been breathing because we're locked down? So my question to you then, Michael, is where's the line um, with you know, staying inside your home and being exposed to all of these specific toxins in your air. 
Yeah, I think it's always just something you're trying to mitigate. So, I mean, we know and we have known for a long time, even in the research, that outdoor air exposure is kind of like when we did our nature therapy episode. Mm -hmm. Outdoor air exposure uh, is great for so many different conditions for lots of reasons, right? It's it's sort of they knew that before they knew that with the sanitariums. And so, you know, when I think about indoor air quality and stuff like that, it's always about... We, it's all about the same concepts as toxic burden, toxic load, where, you know, you've got a bucket and you can, you're can you f- constantly filling up the bucket with toxins, either in your body or, in this case, in your home, because you're bringing in chemicals, you're bringing in, mm-hmm. you know, pesticides from outside, you're, you've got a cat who's shedding dander, you're shedding skin cells, you're creating dust and particulate matter, like you're constantly filling the air uh, with different things. And you can try and reduce that by being very specific about what cleaners you're using, you know, perfumes, scents, things like that. You can be very careful to reduce how much you're filling that bucket up, but you also have to empty the bucket. You know what I mean? And that's what ventilation is for. And by ventilation, you're saying basically just open the window. Yeah, that's a good idea. Well, thankfully, we have a window here. I'll just go ahead and... uh, I feel better already. It does feel better, although... Sounds really bad. I, and the board's we, getting wet. We can't get a good day here. No, we cannot. I mean, it's the spring. how was that fire ever <laughs> even started? I don't understand. <laughs> um, but no, opening a window is good, of course, weather permitting, right? Right. Um, and especially in the springtime, we try to keep that open as much as possible. We actually have this like hall vent. It's like this big thing on the ceiling where you flip a switch and it opens up and it, dude, it just sucks all the air out of the house. Like, I loved it, and it's it's reminiscent of my house growing up. I had one of these, and so it's like from the '80s, you know. Well, here's here's my my question on this. Does so, Oliver use it to scare Julie? The no, cat? Yes. that was not my question, though. I believe that if you're say it's the spring, right, and you're gonna open your window, I gotta ventilate all of the stuff out of my house, and then outside in the outside air, it's just full of pollen, which again is another irritant. And so, how much? What? Where's the where's the line between the two? Well, the line is, I mean, I don't think it contributes to the air quality index because pollen typically is bigger than 2.5 or 10 in diameter, but um, maybe there are some. I think of it as a biological pollutant, right? There's people Mm -hmm. who have sensitivity to it, so it's another thing you're going to have to factor into your equation around what is the pollen level today, which actually in the weather app they will tell you generally what the pollen is. Um, And so maybe now today is a really good day to open up the window because it's raining apparently. Um, (laughs) And so that's a really good time to do it rather than on like a sunny day when it hasn't rained in several days. Okay, so now that we have sufficiently scared everyone, as we do whenever we talk about toxic exposures. Yeah. um, It's a depressing subject. I I think the next place to go is that, all right, we get it. There are toxins in the outdoor air. There are some toxins in the indoor air. We do our best to mitigate those and minimize them. Mm -hmm. But why? I think the next place we should go is, why do we care? What is the effect that this has on our health? What are some of the consequences of being exposed to these things long term? Yeah, it's a good question. Uh, I think the long term effects are death. (laughs) And and prove me wrong, okay? Because as far as I can see... Everyone who's exposed to bad air uh-huh. eventually dies. And the people who are not exposed to air at all also die, as you've pointed That's out earlier. That's the control group. <laughs> <laughs> no, they were exposed to air at some point. Look, you're not going to fight me on this logic. There's air everywhere. It's bad. <laughs> and we all die. Those two are, uh, <laughs> those are <laughs> truths of life. And so I've got ironclad logic here. Well, the problem is that when you breathe bad air, 
there's a lot of different things that can happen, right? There's like local reactions in your lung. Some people get yeah. like acute respiratory distress yeah. or allergic reaction in your lung. Not good. But there's other things that are far more insidious because these toxins can form chemical reactions and cause something called oxidative stress, right. which we've discussed on this show before. Right. So, Michael, how would you say them causing oxidative stress can lead to chronic disease. Well, oxidative stress is what does the damaging, right? This mm -hmm. is a classic example of free radicals. Like when we think of free radical damage, we think of air pollution mm -hmm. causing systemic oxidative stress, right? Coming yep. in and essentially just destroying things like cells and, and fats and DNA and uh, proteins. And like it, just, it really just wreaks havoc on the system. So that's all about mitigating the oxidative stress in the system if you want to try and prevent this. But you want to limit the free radical exposure as well. So you, you know, you're trying to limit how much is coming in the bucket. Then you've got a spigot. You know, or a scuttle. You put a scuttle in the butt? That's right. So you scuttle butt the bucket, and that is how you get the, the stuff out. Well, I will say we've talked many times on the show about how long-term oxidative stress leads to aging, things like Alzheimer's disease, various cancers, heart disease, kidney disease. So Just about time, every chronic disease yeah. is associated with oxidative stress. That's right. That's right. But the other thing is your microbiome has to react to every single thing it encounters from your environment. So what they're also finding is that some of these air pollutants can also alter your microbiome. In your lungs? Yep, and in your GI tract. Okay, can I stop you right here? Because this, okay. th this is something I've never thought about. Because um, I, I as always assume, like, you know, you swallow air because that's, you know, when you swallow a lot of air, then your system typically burps. Yep. I do not think of how much air there might be in the GI tract that could be affecting, because the minute you get gas, like that's a warning sign. You're like, well, there's too much air here. Pain, 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 pain. So yeah, but still, what, what, how is there, how is the gut microbiome being impacted by air pollution? I don't couple, get it. A couple of things. So we know that there's a microbiome in our lungs. There's a microbiome in our skin. There's a microbiome in our GI tract, in our mouth. So there's a lot of microbiomes and their, their job is to adapt to help to get nutrients, to protect us from various things. No, they're after us. And so I would think that I would think this, right? So anytime a bacteria encounters any type of toxin, it has to alter its pattern or what it's doing to help protect you. Now, again, you said it. You can swallow air. I mean, I could technically floss you from your mouth to your butt. It's an open tube. Wow. But my bigger point is, even in your mouth, there's an oral microbiome, and some of that oral microbiome becomes then your gastrointestinal microbiome. I will never hear the word floss the same way. <laughs> so that's fascinating. And the other thing I think about, too, not just the oxidative stress component, but a lot of these chemicals um, are actually toxic in and of themselves, right? So mm -hmm. like organophosphates and things like this uh, that can get in and they can cause endocrine disruption just by the sheer nature of what they are as chemicals and how they interact. Um, they can interact with overall cognitive function um, So because they're toxics, right? We're breathing in toxics. Heavy metals. I mean, think about welders and people who are exposed uh, in hairdressers the, with in, in production right. and manufacturing of any kind, anything or all of that stuff. Like, uh, yeah, hairdressers and, and nail salons and stuff right. like this. Like, it's all man. It's not good. You think that outdoor air is bad? If that's your indoor air that you're breathing, right. real bad. Okay. Well, rather than continuing to scare everyone yeah, and to continue tough, to contribute to the problem, why don't we become part of the solution? Why don't we no. spin this in a positive solution oriented way? over there? I see. Right. Sunny side up. Why don't we think about ways that we can mitigate this or counteract that? And we've already talked about on this show ways that your body can detoxify things once they enter 
your body. You know, yeah. the phase one, phase two detox. And we'll talk about that again in another future show. Mm. But we already have an inherent antioxidant system. We have an inherent phase one and phase two and phase three and all these different detoxification systems. But there's got to be something else we can do. Yeah, well, I mean, like you're saying, that's talking about how things can ultimately be eliminated, you know, sort of like the water drained from the bucket. But this other part of that is trying to stop these things from coming in the system. And so, Mm. yeah, you know, from an indoor air perspective, I think one of the basic things that you can add is uh, some sort of air filtration, right? Which we do. We have air filters in all of our houses, but, um, you know, that only does filters at the big stuff, right? So there's also you know, more uh, advanced air filtration systems that can help clean out, you know, some of these other things that we're talking about today. Yeah, currently all of the air purifiers that are available have this multi-layer filter system. So it's often a Uh pre-filter, a carbon filter, an antibacterial filter, and a HEPA filter. Right. I love the HEPA filter. Mm -hmm. What does HEPA stand for? You know, that's such a great question. I didn't know it either. Everyone says, oh, HEPA filter. Do you have a HEPA filter? That needs a HEPA filter. Mm -hmm. HEPA, H-E-P-A, stands for High Efficiency Particulate Air, which, as we're talking about, particulate, particular matter within the air. Yeah, and it's really interesting. Uh, There's been some really great research out there that has looked at um, just, you know, clinically how there's improvements with filtration of your indoor air, just having one of these filters in your house. Yeah, we're talking like randomized controlled, Mm -hmm. double-blind, placebo-controlled. I mean, these are some good studies. And they've shown some improved outcomes in things like asthma, bronchial reactivity, you know, reduction to nocturnal symptoms of breathing. So some Mm -hmm. real important outcome studies as it relates to respiratory symptoms. Well, and think about how much that impacts sleep, too. Right. Um, but that's not it. It's not, I mean, that's a little bit to be expected. It's like you get this stuff out of the air. And so people who are, have a sensitive respiratory tract and, you know, tendency, a history of asthma that they're going to improve. And that all makes total sense and is great. But there's other things too, that you don't naturally come to, which is the effects on the vasculature. Because as we said before, all these things eventually can lead to oxidative stress. And when you think of oxidative stress, you get endothelial dysfunction, right? Remember, mm-hmm. we did an episode on that. Yeah. And uh, and so they actually looked at outcome studies with respect to cardiovascular health and found that there was overall improvements in vascular function as it relates to cardiovascular health, which is incredible. It's fascinating. So let me ask you this, Patty. Go ahead. Do you have one of these things? Well, here at work, because uh-huh. it is Genova and we're in the medical affairs department, if you walk through that department, everyone has one of these huge filters no, in their office. No, that's not true. It is true. Actually, every, those, those aren't filters. Those are heaters. But at home, I just uh-huh. have the normal, you know, you change your air filters every couple of months. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's, in like the vents. it's in there somewhere. I have those, but they're not HEPA filters. No. They're just basic filters. No, that's air. like, yeah, that's like your oil filter on your car. Yeah. That's just block. That just prevents really big things from coming through. Right, basically. right. Basically, birds. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but besides, besides your home bird filter, do you have <laughs> any other more advanced ones like these HEPA or carbon I d- filters? I have two, actually. Oh, nice. Yeah, I have two. I have one in the bedroom and then one in the den, you know, because yeah. it's like the two times you spend your most time there. Yeah. Well, that and the, the kids, they need like seven white noise machines that, so they can Fair. go to sleep. So. Well, then again, you have to also open your windows. Do you do that? Yeah, I got that big, huge thing in the hallway, right? So I turn yeah. that on, and that only takes like three minutes. Hmm. Um, and that will literally clear out all the air in the house and bring in new air. Like you can nice. feel the suction coming in through the windows when you turn that thing on. Wow. Sweet. Um, wow. It's kind of an eyesore, but like functionally, highly recommend fancy. it. Yeah. 
All right. Well, not everyone can have such a fancy schmancy infiltration <laughs> it's system, not, Michael. No, it's not. I promise it's not fancy. I had to spray paint it white to match the ceiling. <laughs> okay. It well, was so yellowed from the age. For all of us plebes, we can just get the HEPA filters. But like you said earlier, we can also do a lot of other things to mitigate some of the effects of some of these toxins, you know, supporting phase one and phase mm-hmm. two detoxification, mm-hmm. avoidance when possible with air filtration. But the other thing I think about when I'm trying to, quote unquote, clean out my breathing air is plants, house plants. Right. Plants are amazing. I mean, yeah. that let's I mean, forget photosynthesis and the fact that it like turns energy into material or turns sunlight into energy yeah. and material, which is just amazing in and of itself. Um, but yeah, it will filter air, right? Because part of photosynthesis is it brings in carbon dioxide and then it breathes out oxygen, which is um, really helpful for us animals. <laughs> <laughs> so one of the things it also does in bringing in the carbon dioxide is it brings in uh, the other things that are part of the air as well, different toxicants, and it can either store them in its tissues like heavy metals or it has its own biochemistry that can detoxify these things and then turn them into you know, more stable, healthier things for the system. So um, good job, plants. Thanks Thank for doing you. that. And I would like to specifically call shout out. out to <laughs> shout out to the top 10 list here that I have from the EHP. Environmental um, health perspectives. Yeah. So we start with a a areca palm and Mm -hmm. lady palm. Thank you. Bamboo palm. Thank you, too. Seems to be a lot of palms going on here. Uh Um, Rubber plant. Of course. The ficus. Of course. Uh, Dracaena. I'm not sure what Dracaena is, but uh, it's also called Janet Craig. I think I went to high school with her. (laughs) Okay. Um, And then we also have... English ivy, of oh, course. English ivy, yeah. And it's beautiful to look at. Yeah, great. Um, and it's you can be used to turn it into a bronchial health syrup. And there, it right? makes perfect sense now. Right. So dwarf date palm. I got another palm. And then there's just the straight up regular ficus. Then there's Boston fern. Of course, of course. Uh, I'm sure you love that one. And then peace lily, of Aww. course. Um, now, although I do not have one of your fancy schmancy air filtration systems, mm-hmm. what I do have going for me is that I have plants everywhere. Like that piece of lily that did so well in the corner, huh? Okay, maybe not so much here. But in my office and at home, I'm a big houseplant person. And, you know, I feel better about my life knowing that these plants that I'm caring for are also caring for me. Okay, so I think the moral of the story here is that we need to breathe to live. That's important. You've established that early on, Michael. Yeah. We also know that (laughs) both indoor and outdoors... There are toxins in our air, and our body is fairly well equipped mm-hmm. to handle it. But there's things we can do to mitigate it. Yeah, like stopping what's coming in. Yeah, increase what's going out. Wow, well said. Bada boom, bada bing. Next time on the Lab Report, we're going to talk to Dr. Sheila Dean, co-founder of the Integrative and Functional Nutrition Academy. This is going to be fun. You've been listening to the Lab Report. If you like what you hear please subscribe to our podcast, rate us, and leave us a review. To learn more about Genova Diagnostics, visit our website at gdx.net. There you'll find information on specific testing, educational resources, and how to connect with our show. Call us at 1-800-522-4762 or email us at podcast at gdx.net. All right, well, it's clear you like to practice your English accent. What's your favorite... Mm. American accent that you can do. Oh, interesting. That I can do? Well, that's yeah. a different caveat. I was going to say, I think my favorite American accent is like from the UP. 
you know, sort of like the Minnesota and the North oh, Dakota, the Fargo. Know. Yeah. So yeah, I, I love that accent. I think that's great. Um, what about you? Well, I'm just going to go back to my Nipah roots. Nipah. What, what, what? Northeast PA. Oh. The, the Scranton accent. Which is <laughs> v- Scranton has an accent? It, it's very distinct. Really? Wow. Yeah. Instead okay. of say walk, they say walk, talk, coffee. That's like Boston, though. No, it's very distinct. And they instead of saying one, two, three, they say couple, two, three. But the, the one that's well known in the region is saying Haina. Haina? What are you talking about? Haina. Like, isn't it so? Like, this is a really long podcast, Haina. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 